on a second Put down your phone, welcome to the feckin' check-in show We might be playing Tekken in the techno-drome With Shredder and Spencer, but never Donatello The boys are back in town again, shenanigans from QO Man, the listener can't stop panicking Now tell your friends to listen to the sound of us pissing in the wind And if you feel like joining in, then do it for the win The sun shines, but I find myself in isolation But fear not, we've got beer at the cooking station Audio and video flows are coming for you The trainer at Jimmy's show, it's cameras action doom the feckin' checkin', so check your feckin' pulses Lentil, soybeans, chickpeas, whatever indulgence Takes your fancy snakes, ladders, or piss politics Just sit back and relax, we got your weekly fix It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show it's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack should do. All right, Feckamaniacs, this is episode eight of the Feckin' Check-In. I'm Trainer, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Toomey. How are you doing this Saturday afternoon, Toomey? I must admit, this Saturday afternoon, I'm a bit disorientated because of the news about the lockdown being eased. I don't know what's going on. Uh, myself and my fiance Liz are planning our wedding, and we're going one way, we're going the other way. The, the rules are changing, and we don't really know what we're doing. So that's how I describe my, my morning. Although I've also done a bit of exercise as well, so happy enough with that. How are you? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, actually. Thanks. Yeah, um, it is a bit strange. All right, because we had this plan imposed upon us and then everyone was kind of somewhat on board with it. And we knew of oh, phase one and phase two and this is going to be this. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, ho- hold on. We're speeding everything up. Uh, you can probably you can travel anywhere in your county. Groups can congregate. We might loosen the two meter distancing rule. And I tell you, people like you and others who, who I know, obviously, who have weddings and things planned are cursing the government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going, for fuck's sake, just give us something that we can plan around. I'd say it's quite frustrating on your end. Yeah, because I'm in contact with a lot of suppliers and I'm going one way and I'm going the other way. And, and I, I'm basically saying to them, we've changed our mind again and then I'll come back the next week. Actually, it's looking a bit different this week and this kind of changes it again. So we need to have a think about it before making a final decision. Even though I announced to all of our friends on the WhatsApp group yesterday <laughs> that it's off. Um, but it's not, I don't know what we're doing now is, is the answer. But there's even talk of pubs opening sooner and stuff, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next uh, two months at least um, and see where we are in, in, a, in a few weeks. Okay, so um, I think without further ado, we might as well launch into our feckin' check-in for the week. So there's a lot to discuss here um, and I have a slight fear that this might come across as an episode of The Late Late Show, you know, where they have um, they have trivial things on first and then they talk about something serious like, oh, who's, here's the new single from Aslan and next up we have a victim of spousal abuse. And it, I, I always found that that format kind of didn't sit well with me. But at the same time, there's things that I think would be uh, remiss of us not to mention. So some of this is lighthearted, like most of our episodes are, but some of it is a bit more serious. And we'll get to that eventually. So uh, we hope it all holds together and that we keep it interesting and a decent conversation is had. Um, but yeah, just a little disclaimer there at the start. So we're part Graham Norton and part uh, Ryan Turbidy Late Late Show. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, grand. I'm sure the listener will be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they will. Uh, okay, Toomey, can you give us your F of the week? So that's your funny observation of the week, please. Okay, launching into the F. Um, and this uh, relates to an F, an F-U-C-K, not an F-E-C-K. And oh. that is a video that was circulating of a teenage couple having sexual intercourse uh, at Sandy Mount Beach. <laughs> Sandy Cove, was it? Sa- Sandy Cove Beach, sorry. Yeah. And what I found funny about this is the kind of that everyone stopped and took out their phones and recorded it (laughs) like and the mock outrage of the people recording it oh this is terrible this is awful but then you just see like 50 people uh, standing around with their phones out recording it watching the guards gone over and watching the whole scene unfold as they're arrested and watching them have sex so it's a bit of a strange situation where we're simultaneously outraged but at the same time recording uh, almost like pornography well, well I mean if you're recording two people having sex you are pretty much an amateur pornographer in in my book <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, 
I, I saw the video, yeah. Uh, the, the whole filming everything culture is, is kind of getting tiresome, I reckon. Um, but at the same time, I still watch the video, so I'm part of the problem as well. But um, at this, also, at the same time, those people having sex in the open view of hundreds of people at Sandy Cove Beach, which is a popular spot in Dublin, uh, must have known that this was going to happen. Like, they must have known that they would be seen. And nowadays, you can't do anything without being filmed, especially anything controversial. So, like, it's a bit foolish on their part, unless they wanted to be filmed, that is. Yeah, or unless they were completely off their heads on drink or drugs or... um like I've seen a lot of teenagers, and I'm sure you have as well, walking around in, in big groups of five or six. And there's, there's as, a te- as an old teacher would have said to us, there's a lot of restlessness in the air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know who you mean. Yeah. Uh, silly season, you silly know. Silly season. So there's a lot, you can see a lot of outdoor drinking and outdoor socialising, and that maybe leads to outdoor bad behaviour. Outdoor sex? Outdoor sex. <laughs> Not that sex is bad behaviour, but outdoor sex in front of children. In the middle of the day. A bit of underlying Catholicism coming to the fore there. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps, perhaps. I don't know. The coronavirus is it's bringing up all kinds of things. <laughs> Latent Catholicism lurking under the surface there, or sex is bad behaviour. I'm only messing. I, I would say that's it, because we've got other uh, late, late show things to discuss later, so I'm happy to leave it there if you want to move on. Yeah, we've got other fish to fry here on the feck and check-in. Okay, interesting uh, F there to me. Cheers for that. So my F this week is an accumulation of phrases that I have been kind of taking note of and being frustrated listening to over the past while. And it's it's just when people get phrases slightly wrong or say them incorrectly or generally phrases that don't make sense. And I'll start off with one that I keep hearing all the time. And I haven't researched this, but I assume that this is wrong. This is people saying the end all be all. Have you heard this? Ah, uh, I think I've heard it. It's, it sounds awful. Okay, so the phrase that I know is the be-all and end-all, or the be-all end-all, right? So let's say you're talking about something and you'd be like, the Smiths think they are the be-all and end-all in indie rock. As in, they think they're the epitome of everything that the uh, genre stands for. They think they're the shit, basically. The be-all and end-all, right? But if you're saying it the opposite way around, if you're saying the end-all, be-all, surely the end cannot come before the beginning. Um, it so, doesn't make any sense, does it? No, and I keep, hear, I keep hearing people saying it, the end-all, be-all, end-all, be-all. And you're like, how can the end start before the beginning? Yeah, Surely you have to be-all before you can be the end-all. Would you I, agree? I completely agree. And so they've, they've messed up the order of the words and they've taken out the word and, which I think is important descriptively. Would, would you agree? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The be-all and end-all. Exactly. It's like a sentence. They think they're the be-all and end-all. Whereas this end-all, be-all, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's an example of a phrase where people don't even think about what it means anymore. They've just heard other people saying it and then they've misinterpreted and switched it around and they're not even listening to what they're saying themselves. They're just saying, oh, end-all, be-all. That's a phrase, isn't it? I think I'll use that here. One assumes they have some vague understanding of, of of what it means, but they definitely don't have it clear in their minds. Yes, exactly. And this leads me into my next one. So I have a few of these. So brace Great. yourself. Um, <laughs> so this, this next one is deja vu all over again. <laughs> it's oh, no. deja vu all over again. Right. But the context in which people use it is just to describe a basic run-of-the-mill deja vu. Okay. But when they're saying deja vu all over again, they're saying it's a repeat deja vu. So this person that they're describing has already experienced deja vu, and this is deja vu all over again. Hence uh, the repeat, which I mentioned earlier. So it's the second instance or the second example of deja vu in this situation. So it would be like something happened, then you had a deja vu, then you had another deja vu about that. That would be deja vu all over again. And this person must have witnessed the deja vu happening to the other person. They're saying this poor unlucky person, they've had deja vu happen so many times in their lives. It's deja vu all over again. Exactly, yeah. So it's like they were a spectator to the original, probably the original incident, then the original deja vu. And then they're also privy to the second occurrence of deja vu, making it deja vu all over again. (laughs) Great stuff. Okay, so that's just another one. It's grinding looking my forward gears. To, looking forward to the next one. <laughs> or just to go back to it for a sec, there's nothing wrong with just saying deja vu. Why do you have to add that at the end? It's just deja vu. It's a, it's a very interesting concept. We've all experienced it. You're sitting there, you're walking around, you're like, Jesus, this has happened to me before. That in itself has a kind of majestic quality to it. There's no need to add in that little bit at the end. It, just, it, it worsens it and, it and it makes it wrong. It's an elegant and eloquent phrase and you're ruining it by throwing in all over again. Exactly. So 
stop it, Jim Ross. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> moving on. Uh, this is another one. I could care less. I'm uh, sure yes. you've heard people saying this. It's a classic. I could care less. And, and obviously, I'm not the first person to bring this up. I, I'm not saying that I am, or any of these, obviously. But this is just a collection of ones that have been bothering me. So the phrase, obviously, is I couldn't care less. So you're trying to express to somebody that you care so little about the thing that they care about, that you couldn't care any less. You're not capable of caring any less. But over, over the years, and in some areas and some dialects or whatever this has become i could care less and they say it with the same type of uh, expression and the same type of feeling as if they're saying i couldn't care less but they're saying i could care less so i could care less what you think so okay so when you break down what they're saying there when they say i could care less they're saying that they in fact do care and they're capable of caring less the exact opposite of i couldn't care less where they're incapable of caring any less (laughs) yeah they're they're saying the exact opposite of what they mean and they what I found strange about it, does no one ever think about it? Do they just go on their whole lives with this, I could care less nonsense? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, exactly. So I've actually seen people online trying to defend this, saying that when the people say it, they're saying it in a sarcastic tone, expressing the fact that, oh, I could care less. But that's never the tone you hear people saying it in. It's always, I could care less, as in a kind of angry expression of how little they care, when they're actually given an example of the fact that they do care and they're capable of caring less, and they don't. So they do they do care about you, or what you're saying. If they were using it in a sarcastic tone, that would be even more confusing. It would be like, I could care less, or something like that. And it'd be like kind of double meanings all over the place. I don't think the sophistication exists to the extent that these people are reappropriating a phrase and adding sarcasm to it. I think they've just got it wrong. So stop trying to defend these people saying (laughs) they're saying it sarcastically. You might ask me who I'm speaking to. I don't know. I read it somewhere on Twitter. Somebody was trying to defend this. Uh, But anyway. So that's a, I could care less. So maybe maybe the listener could care less about these points. (laughs) Just a, a small point on the last one. I wonder... Will that phrase, I could care less, ever die? Or is that particular one so ingrained in certain cultures that uh, it's going to last forever? I think it's, uh, uh, scarily enough, I think it might actually end up meaning I couldn't care less. Because that's what happens. Uh, What's the one? um, Irregardless, right? Irregardless is actually a word. You can look that up in dictionaries where the word regardless exists and is perfectly appropriate for what it means. Uh, irregardless is now also a word and it means the same thing which is kind of uh, it's a it's a it's a really worrying example of how language <laughs> progresses and how things that mean the opposite or don't mean anything at all end up having meaning it's a disturbing development is what it is very disturbing okay and my final one of these points is the phrase double back i'm sure you've heard this uh yeah not not as commonly used as maybe some of the other ones but yeah i've heard it so this isn't a phrase that people have got wrong, but to me it's a phrase that doesn't make any sense. It's usually associated with driving, and people talk about, I, I drove to a certain location, then I had to double back, right? But if you're driving somewhere, and then you're driving back, surely you're singling back rather than doubling back. <laughs> because, because nothing has been doubled. You've driven in one direction, and then you've driven back in the same direction. So one instance of driving in each direction. So if you drove back in your original direction, and then you drove back again, maybe you could say that was doubling back. But if you drive in a direction, then you drive back. To me, that's not doubling back. That's singling back, or simply just driving back, or going back. Doubling back, then, is a circle. I don't don't know. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. Does that make any sense to you, or am I just being ridiculous here? No, it doesn't make any sense. I think that's one of the ones that's maybe less questioned than some of the other ones, because maybe it doesn't stand out, and people are confused about it in the first place. I uh, I doubled back. Just it sounds uh, authoritative to say that. Uh, yeah. Or here's another one that's actually li- related to that that I just thought of here. Have Have you heard the phrase "We had to redouble our efforts"? Oh, I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah. So. What people actually mean is that they had to double their efforts, of course. They had to make twice as much effort. But to redouble your effort would be make four times as much effort. <laughs> to quadruple. So, <laughs> you would have had to already have doubled your efforts, and then you would have had to redouble that, saying four times as much effort was made. And I don't think that's what people mean when they say redouble their efforts, but they, it's used loosely. It's used freely. These silly, silly sausages. <laughs> Okay, uh, that's all the points I have there on phrases. Um, so there you go. That's that's what's been getting in my craw lately. It's been getting you go. Exactly. So uh, moving on to entertainment. Can you tell us your entertainment observation or point for this week, Toomey? Yes, of course. Uh, a slightly bizarre one for entertainment this week. Um, it is a case of deja vu almost, or, or more of a doppelganger. Uh, it D- is... A doppelganger. Doppelganger, excuse me. 
and that is the first time triers podcast and this is a podcast about two 30 somethings who try something completely new uh, every week and they report back on it and our long-term listeners will be familiar with this concept because it's the exact same concept that we did in our previous podcast open us Two thirty or something males doing something new to get outside their comfort zones, and this is what the uh, the first time triers are doing. And uh, their first task was seven days of vegan, and we we did this as well. We called it vegan for a week, and and, and they also um, went on to do other tasks. And one of them was to do VR. We also did VR and open us, as you know. They even went to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, yeah, I, I, I'd noticed this on Twitter and uh, I had a look into it and I listened to some of the episodes myself. And uh, it's eerily, eerily familiar to what we did. Like two 30-something-year-old males who are longtime friends. Uh, I think they even mentioned that they're wrestling fans at one point. And that, that's only where the similarities start. Um, the vegan for a week thing. So I listened to that episode, as I'm sure you did. Early on in the episode, they refer to the listener, which is obviously one of the things we say in the episode. Um, they mentioned that veganism is a form of extremism and that they're not really comfortable with an extreme diet. That was your exact take on veganism at the start of our episode. Uh, they also uh, mention uh, the fake meat situation that we went into and um, the various different trappings of... Tra- Sorry, I'm going to start that again. Uh, they also had the same type of experiences with fake meat and they had the same types of experiences with accidentally eating uh, non-vegan foods and not reading the ingredients and eating things accidentally that contain cheese. And they also did it for a week. It was just like the exact same uh, concept that we went with for an episode that we did. It was absolutely bizarre, uncannily similar. Their conclusions at the end of it were, were very similar. I, they were like, I probably wouldn't go full on vegan, but I would reduce my meat intake and maybe be a flexitarian or something like that. <laughs> and also, they stopped their podcast just before the coronavirus. Did you notice that? Yeah, so I did. Just like we did, we stopped Open Us in the midst of the coronavirus. So so the last uh, of their um, first time triers podcast seemed to be around March 25th. Or maybe I'm... I mix it up. It wasn't exactly the parallel when we stopped Open Us, but it was around then, early 2020. Am I right? Say that? Yeah, it was around that. And then they yeah. started doing different format episodes where they have a discussion about something. Um, but uh, another thing, like the similarities don't end there either. So they actually started their podcast around the exact same time that we did. If, if, if this... If the dates line up correctly. So our first episode wasn't until November, but we had episodes in the can since July, since late July of 2019. Their first episode was launched in August 2019. So you've got two groups of males who've been friends for a long time, who have decided to do a podcast, who've decided to try new things every week, who were thinking of the same tasks at the same time and recording episodes with the same premise at the exact same time. And I think there's a, like an example of, I don't know, some scientific research that was happening on two different sides of the world at the same time, or each was unaware of the other scientist researching. I'm not saying that we're scientists or anything like that, but it just kind of rang that bell. Is, uh, do you, uh, do you it know was, the specifics of that? There was a race to discover the double helix, which proved the, the theory of DNA or, or kind of supported it um, in humans. And there was two scientists who independently f- found the discovery at around the same time. And there was a race between them to publish their uh, results first. And it ended up being uh, James Watson, I think, was the guy who got there first. And But there was another guy who could easily have got there first. Now, I'm not saying that, that we, again, we haven't made a scientific discovery here, but or that them getting there first has made a difference. Uh, but there yeah, are similarities. I mean- it's not for us to say that openness was as important as the discovery of DNA. That's for the listener to decide. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I do have a hot take on this. So I listened to their episode on veganism and I listened to their episode on VR. And I think that they did it better than us. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Go on. Well, so after listening to their episode on being a vegan for a week, I went back and listened to our episode just to kind of come up with some more similarities because obviously I noticed a lot while I was listening to it but I just wanted to get a full um, view of the similarities between the episodes and I, 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 ours sounded kind of dry in comparison <laughs> and I think they actually it's a really good podcast I really like it um, and they have great banter between the two of them and I found on ours we took a more of a serious approach to the topic and theirs was more entertaining I thought than ours so I have to give them kudos there I, I found their episode more entertaining than our episode when listened side by side 
Yeah, they they had a more playful approach. They also uh, did each task in the one episode. So they introduced the task and then they split the episode up midway and then they record the second bit a week later. So it, so the whole task is contained within one, in one episode. So that meant that they recorded the, the episodes fortnightly, which I thought was an interesting approach. Maybe that would have given us a bit more energy to keep going with the open us because each week it was hard to come up with new things. And I think this is apparent in the types of tasks they came up with, uh, like Hellfire Yoga, Naked Life Drawing, Tarot Car Reading, uh, Being in a Flotation Tank. Uh, think, like, I think their tasks were a bit more interesting and a bit outside of thinking outside of the box than ours were, were at times. Yeah, I think they had much more creative tasks than we did, like when we went on a walk to Hoth and a walk to Minute. <laughs> <laughs> Reading a book was worse. <laughs> Reading a book. Um, and they also did a colonic irrigation. I haven't listened to that episode, but like that's really fucking, you know, doing something brand new that you probably never, ever would have done before. Did you listen to the VR episode as well? I didn't get a chance to listen to that one. So, uh, like, that that episode shares eerie similarities with our VR episode as well. They talk about their background with VR, their background with video games, uh, how they played them when they were younger, and they don't really play them as much nowadays. Um, and they mentioned the Channel 4 program Nightmare, which we also mentioned as an early <laughs> example of VR. And they had the same type of take on the VR. They thought it was a bit nerdy. Um, they went to a similar room, which had a curtain dividing the room. Uh, they were in a small space doing a VR game. And they had, like, it sounded like the place that they went to almost exactly the place that we went to um, and it was just fucking I was listening to it going Jesus Christ so I, I just do have one thing to say that they recorded their vegan episode definitely before we did but we recorded our VR episode before they did but I just want to put this out there I had never heard of this podcast and it was only when we started following a lot of podcasts on Twitter with our Twitter page for the feckin' check-in that we came across this um, and I'm sure they weren't aware of our podcast either but it's just a, a funny example of the fact that two things were happening simultaneously with the exact same premise, the exact same demographics, and some some of the exact same tasks, including the Japan one, which you mentioned as well. Yeah, and I'm just going to maybe close this uh, E topic with the the, f- the following similarity, that our Open Us podcast was about 30, 230-something males opening themselves up to new experiences, trying new things. The description of first time triers, the first line is, you're never too old to try new things. Listen as 30-somethings Neil and John catch up on things they've never experienced by trying them for the first time. So uncanny. that sums it up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely uncanny. Um, so, okay, moving on to my E of the week. This is a YouTube video show called Nets, what I reckon. Uh, so as you can tell, probably with my attempt at an Australian accent there, it's, a, it's presented by an Australian bloke, a bloke. And uh, Nets, I'm, I reckon, is uh, Australian slang for it. Now that's. So it's ain't Nets, what I reckon. And it's just a, it's a, an Australian cooking show. So this guy uh, cooks meals in front of a video camera and it's about three or four minutes long and he does it in a kind of down-to-earth very humorous fashion uh, i'm just going to play a little clip of one where he's cooking bolognese bags. guess what we're back in the same place you were last time your fucking house today we're cooking a dish that people fuck up all the time the problem with bolognese is people fuck with it and put heaps of stupid shit in it loads of shit isn't in bolognese fucking no zucchini no eggplant no hair your car isn't in it i'm not in it so let me just fucking show you what's in bolognese this, this is what's in it. Not fucking 35 zucchinis and a pineapple. You need a couple of sticks of celery, a couple of carrots, an onion, some pancetta. If you can't find pancetta, just use bacon. It doesn't fucking matter. You're gonna need beef mince and pork mince. I know that sounds weird, but that's the way it goes. I use a bit over half a kilo of both. Gonna need some tomato paste, some chicken stock. And an ingredient, I know that looks confusing, but it fucking goes, is milk. You don't have to put milk in it, but trust me, it fucking works. <laughs> You're gonna need a bit of wine. You can use red or white wine, it doesn't matter. I think traditionally you can use white wine, but I like red, so fucking whatever, Trevor. Now I know you're thinking to yourself, where's the fucking garlic? This may come as a shock, but this doesn't have garlic in it. Put garlic in it if you want. It's not gonna break anyone's bloody heart. It's a lot less weird than mushroom and zucchini, but I don't put it in there. Uh, so you can see there, he swears quite a lot, but he's quite witty, quite funny. A lot of Australianisms coming in there. And uh, I just think this is uh, a very, uh, handy way of spending four minutes of your time if you want to kill some time obviously we all have a lot of free time now that we're at home but i find that his cooking is actually quite interesting because he has a policy of say no to jar sauces and i'm very much on board with that policy myself i think uh, jar sauces for pasta or for curries things like that are just uh, kind of lazy and i mean sometimes they're convenient but you can make such a much nicer meal if you just 
throw in a few ingredients yourself. So that's his whole ethos on the show. Uh, as I said, though, he's, he's extremely humorous. And I find watching a video like that probably a better uh, way of spending four or five minutes than going on the likes of TikTok, which we obviously discussed on an episode of Open Us. Uh, it's slightly educational. I mean, I know how to cook spaghetti bolognese and stuff like that, but you do pick up little things along the way. But it's just his, his wit, his approach, and the slick kind of editing on the video uh, I find very, very entertaining. And he's actually quite funny. Like, I, I think he could nearly do comedy himself. Um, so you need that kind of charisma to hold my attention uh, on a YouTube video, and he has it in spades. Yeah, I watched it as well. And what struck me is how accessible he makes the cooking. Like, so he doesn't build it up into this big deal. He's just, he gives you the impression that anybody could do it and that it's easy. And he says, I don't give, give a shit or I don't give a fuck how you cut up your onions. Just cut them up. <laughs> cut, cut, cut the fucking things up and try them in a fucking pan. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'd be much more likely to respond to, to his advice than like a seasoned chef. Um, yeah, so he was great. He's been very popular on YouTube. Loads and loads of hits and, and yeah. views. I came across my Facebook in my Facebook feed, but I love the down-to-earth chef, so I love watching uh, cooking shows, but I love the likes of uh, Rick Stein and uh, Gordon Ramsay when he's cooking, not just swearing at people in a kitchen, but when he's actually cooking, he's quite down-to-earth as well. Um, and people who make it look simple, rather than the likes of MasterChef, which I still find interesting to watch, but I, I'm looking at it going, I would never marinate my fucking avocados in duck's tears and make a parsnip crisp to go alongside it. You know, it's not, it's not food that I'm ever going to fucking eat in my life, but... I like the basic kind of meals where the chef is down to earth and he makes it look easy and he makes it interesting and entertaining and your man does all of that. I can't remember his name, uh, but yeah, he does it all. Yeah, the not, the that's what, what I reckon guy, uh, we'll call him. Uh, but yeah, he makes it, it's almost like it's, it's your mate, your housemate or someone like that talking to you and just making it easy, taking away your anxiety about cooking and a really, really funny, funny delivery of it as well. And I also think, as you said there, his, his kind of approach to attack jar sauce is a really good one because I often make stir fries and I will throw in jar sauce at the end and it kind of dominates the, the stir fry, which is kind of healthy with vegetables in it and, and makes it all kind of, pro, kind of a processed feel. So I, th- I would say lots of people have similar experiences with jar sauce. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's move on to the song of the week. So, Toomey, this is your turn for song of the week. Can you tell the listener what your choice is for this week, please? Yeah, uh, I suppose motivated by the Black Lives uh, Matter um, incidents and the, the death of uh, George Floyd in, in, in the recent weeks, um, the, my song of the week is uh, by Common and John Legend. It's called Glory, and it's it's really a song that was re- it's part of the soundtrack for the film Selma so it it's really about motivating the black community to to stand up for their rights and for the community in general to stand up against injustice and i find it a really inspiring uh, song that's relevant to the times we're in now so so here we go one day when the glory comes it will be ours it will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be the heavens no man no weapon formed against yes glory is destined everyday women and men become legends sins that go against our skin become blessings the movement is a rhythm to us freedom is like religion to us justice is juxtaposition in us justice for all just ain't specific enough one son died the spirit is revisiting us true and living living in us resistance is us that's why rosa sat on the bus that's why we walk through ferguson with our hands up when it go down we woman and man up they say stay down and we stand up shots we on the ground the camera panned up king pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up one day when the glory comes it will be ours it will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be
woman and child Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero Facing the league of justice, his power was the people Enemy is lethal, a king became regal Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego The biggest weapon it's to stay peaceful, we sing Our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win a war individually It take the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day, when the glory comes It will be ours Okay, excellent song choice there this week and very uh, relevant to what's going on in the news at the moment. Uh, have you seen the film Selma yourself? I haven't seen it, but it sounds interesting. Uh, no, I actually haven't seen the, the film uh, Selma. Right. Well, I just did a bit of research on it. So it was about the Selma to Montgomery marches uh, back in 1965, which was like a, a movement for black people to uh, make their voices heard politically. And it actually was pivotal in changing of the law for black uh, African-American people to get the vote in 1965. So it was pivotal in the creation of the Voting Rights Act, um, which allowed uh, ethnic minorities to be allowed to vote in the United States. And to me, that was shocking to learn that black people have only been allowed to vote in America since 1965, something quite recent in our history. And that's crazy. And, and that march was, was led by Martin Luther King, I believe. Is that correct? I am not 100% sure, actually, about that, but um, it sounds about... Well, the, the right film was, was about him, and, and the okay. song mentions him as well. So I, okay. think, I think it is correct. And what's also... I just, just going back to the song, like, and also the film, and the, the march you mentioned, it just... The, the, the way these incidents continue against uh, black people in America and people of colour, sorry, I should say. Uh, so in that song, uh, Common refers to the incident in Ferguson, so there's a line, that's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. He also, so sorry, I'll say the line. He says, that's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we t- walk through Ferguson with our hands up. Um, and I, I also love the line, when it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. And I love the way he says woman and man up because it references the, the kind of the greater rights for, for women or the, the recognition of the injustices that women have uh, experienced. Yeah, well. definitely. Those lines stuck out to me as well. I love the way he said woman and man up. Obviously, the phrase is man up, but he, he obviously made a slight alteration there. And it sounds it sounds brilliant in the actual verse. Uh, another line I really liked is the biggest weapon is to stay peaceful. Um, and I think that's quite relevant today as well. with what's going on in the world, uh, which we'll get to later on as well. Yeah. Yeah. So so hopefully the listener enjoyed that as a, as a kind of a culturally res- relevant uh, top, uh, song for this week. Okay, so just because your culture point leads into my kernel of truth, we're just going to switch it here and we're going to go into my culture point first. Um, so uh, this is actually going back to kind of trivial stuff, um, but uh, but we, we're get, we'll get to the, the serious stuff again in a second. But um, another thing that has been getting in my craw lately is the culture of hacks. Ah, uh, yes. Everything is a hack nowadays. Have you noticed this? Have you seen this? Have you read about this? Yeah, I've um, seen the, the phrase thrown around all the time. Yeah, so we're talking about uh, cleaning hacks, life hacks, exercise hacks, cooking hacks. Uh, and it's like all over the internet. And it's, I, de- I definitely think it's as a result of clickbait and how the internet has grown over the last few years. Uh, you can't just simply say cleaning tips or life tips or exercise tips. You have to say hacks because tips don't drive clicks. And it's become accepted language nowadays. Any article giving you advice about any trivial or like minor part of your life has to be a hack rather than just a tip or some uh, advice. So the phrase hacking obviously comes from computer hacking, obviously breaking into computer systems, uh, bypassing firewalls, um, all of this type of stuff that's really technically skilled uh, work. And obviously it's used for negative reasons as well as positive uh, in some cases. But like to say something like um, 
putting a bit of vinegar and baking soda in your pan to clean off some burnt on rice. To me, that's not the same as hacking into a computer mainframe. <laughs> yeah, it's it. The, the power of the phrase has been completely diluted as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like it's like 25 fucking funeral hacks that you can't live without. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Anyway, so that's just my my little point. Going back to your point you made uh, about uh, clickbait, um, I wonder is part of the the proliferation of the of the phrase hack to do with that it it presents a shortcut. So this is a shortcut that you can you can have within three seconds that will solve your life because you're you're metaphorically skipping the the firewalls and and you're going to get there sooner because we want everything now in these days. But that's to dilute the meaning of the word hack, which requires so much work to do. <laughs> so a hack is actually something that is a prolonged series of like really, really difficult tasks in order to bypass whatever you're trying to bypass. So to use the word hack would, would actually insinuate really that it should make the task more difficult, not less difficult. It requires a high level of skill from computer programmers in its, yeah, in its and, form. These articles are kind of claiming that it doesn't require all of the skill that you think it does, and there's actually a shortcut. So it should be shortcut rather than hack, because hack is something that takes a long time, a lot of effort, and a lot of expertise. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, let's move on to your culture point for the week, Toomey. Well, here's the thing we've been kind of uh, alluding to throughout the show, and that is something going on. Everybody knows the the death of George Floyd and we want to, I want to talk a bit about for my culture uh, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, which obviously we at the FEC and check-in uh, support and we as individual support and um, I want to just make the point in relation to it, it is Black Lives Matter and cognitive dissonance that I've seen people on Twitter struggling to pick a side uh, in in the uh, the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter movement and cognitive dissonance is when you feel discomfort as a result of holding two opposing views simultaneously. So it's a bit like saying it's it's more comfortable for us to see things as black and white than seeing the grey. So the grey is actually harder to get your head around. And I was just thinking of this in light of people sharing videos of demonstrators looting. So it's almost like you're putting the the demonstrators into the bad guy kind of role because you're saying look at them they're looting they're going around robbing and they're doing like but the truth is that's actually true but that's only a small minority of them and most of them are peacefully demonstrating and standing up for something that's really important but the the focus on looting is is a distraction from what what's actually going on and nobody condones the the looting the people the demonstrators don't condone the looting so it's almost as like you're taking away the validity of the protest by by putting them in the bad category um, yeah, and it's easy easy just to position those or pigeonhole, oh, look at them, they're bad, they're robbing shops, they're looting. But it's <clears throat> obviously when there's times of political unrest and social unrest, opportunism rises out of that. There's always a bit of opportunism. There was fucking opportunism in Ireland when there was a bit of snow, when people ram-raided a little uh, and, and <laughs> stole from a little shop. Um, but like it's, it is, it just takes away, it, takes, it shifts the focus away from actually the real matters at hand and it helps people easily categorise people into goodies and baddies. Yeah, exactly. And then on the opposite way, if you put the police in America in completely the baddie role, that's not completely the truth either, because there's lots of police that are decent and they f they feel that they would agree with a lot of the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. And I've seen a lot of them kneeling and, and symbolically showing their support. So it's almost as if Donald Trump at the top wants it to be buddy goodies versus baddies so he can he wants to be the the police being the goodies and the demonstrators being the baddies. But the sooner people get in the middle and see the whole truth of the situation, that's when people can find common ground, uh, I think, as well. I think that's the way forward. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, part of the looting and part of the violence as well, you could say, is born out of frustration. Like, I mean, there's hundreds of years of oppression behind this. People feel like they don't have a voice. People feel like they aren't being listened to. And it's like some, sometimes the only way you can be noticed is to do something extreme. Uh, when you have your president who's threatening and imposing martial law on people rather than telling them that he's listening to them and telling them that he hears them and that he's going to do something about it. Um, when you, yeah, when he's doing, when he's imposing, when he's bringing the army out onto the streets and tweeting. Yesterday, Donald Trump sent out two hundred tweets. He either tweeted or retweeted two hundred times, which is more than any any other day in his presidency. So rather than speaking to the people and telling them he has their back and that he's going to do something about it, he's on Twitter. 
It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I think I think the whole world is demonstrating and the whole world is appalled. And I think it's because it's been going on so long and because the leader doesn't understand and these incidents like he's he's no real uh, honest desire to change things in America. And racism, we have to admit, is seems to be quite present in America systematically. Yeah, I, I did read something recently. Somebody put on Twitter. It's like racism isn't bigger than it has ever been. It's just being filmed more. And I think maybe that might be accurate in that, like we're seeing a lot more of it now, um, but we didn't used to see it. And it goes back to the whole camera phones thing. And I suppose with the George Floyd thing, it was an example of a camera phone being used for, for the greater good uh, in a way, because we all got to see the, poli- the police brutality there. Whereas if nobody had a film that we wouldn't really have seen that we might've had eyewitness accounts, but they could have been hushed or they could have been um, badgered into changing what they, changing their testimony. They could have feared for their own safety and all that type of stuff. So um, it's just, yeah, it's probably a case that we're seeing a lot more of it now because there's a lot more people filming and to go back to the cognitive dissonance point that shows like that some people were were yourself maybe a bit as well given out about these videos going around capturing uh incidents we mentioned it during this show but there is a good side of that as well so this this is what we've seen it's been re- really important it's true and we, we we would be we would be less informed without it in in some cases um but the, the filming people having sex and filming police uh, <laughs> kneeling on somebody's neck is a bit different i think yeah <laughs> okay i think uh, so, so that, that leads into my point and it's the it's the opposition view that a lot of people have been putting up on social media and it came up when the black lives matter thing originally came about a few years ago and that's the response from some people that all lives matter um, oh, God, yeah. yeah so a lot of people have been posting this on twitter and hashtagging it and it's like in opposition to like not just black lives matter all lives matter and of course all lives matter and there's a good uh, couple of posts that have been going viral and it's a person with a placard and the one i'm looking at here it's just it's a black girl with a placard and it says we said black lives matter we never said only black lives matter we know all lives matter we just need your help now because black lives are in danger and i think when people post all lives matter i think in most cases they're missing the real point of this it's it's hundreds of years of oppression it's the fact that if you're a black male specifically in america you're more likely to be shot if there's an incident with the police than if you're a white male it's the fact that you're almost guilty until proven innocent it's the fact there's all these videos and people making video diaries of what it's like to be a black person and i've watched a few of them and read about a few of them in article form um, and it's it's young young black men in america saying they have to be careful when they're walking down the street not to look threatening um, and just walking down the street they have to make sure they don't look threatening when they go into a shop they can't linger too long in the aisles they have to make sure they leave with a receipt even if it's for a packet of chewing gum because they know that there's a high chance that they're going to be hassled by the security guard they can't approach a white woman and if they do they have to also uh, check their behavior so that they don't look anyway threatening or a danger to that person and these are the things that they go through day to day in their life and then you have on top of that any altercation with the police is a potential uh, occasion where you're going to get shot um, and there's a lot of videos going up online as well of, of black men with their hands up who are unarmed being tackled to the ground and being arrested uh, there was a video of uh, black women trying to call and alert the police to a store being robbed and the police came over and handcuffed the people who had been burgled rather than trying to find the actual uh the actual burglars because presumably because they were black themselves so the police came on the scene and they just uh, tried to arrest the people who had been the victim of the crime rather than the criminals themselves and there's just case after case after case it is so i don't think people posting all lives matter helps matters um not to no pun intended there but it, it it's like I, I can understand the retaliation to some degree in that Maybe white people feel like they're being ganged up against or something, but that's not really the point of it. It's it's to put the focus on the oppression that black people are at the hands of every single day. And obviously now it's been heightened with the killing of George Floyd, uh, with that unnecessary police brutality that obviously everybody has watched. Yeah, and imagine taken out of that, like when, when you see the, the hashtag Black Lives Matter, imagine your, your dominant reaction to be, well, all lives matter. All lives matter. And then like ignoring all of that stuff that you've just mentioned and just focusing in on oh, uh, all lives matter. I'm so offended. This is wrong. Like, yeah, th- like that itself is telling about their perspectives. It's kind of like another thing as well, where with the um, with the Me Too movement uh, and the Hollywood uh, abuse of power in Hollywood and women being sexually abused and raped and whatever. And the response for a lot of people was not all men. Not all men are like that. 
But everybody knows that not all men are like that. Just because you're male doesn't mean you need to go on the defense. You can still empathize with the people who have been harmed and you can be aware that some men are like that. So you don't need to defend your position as a man and you don't need to defend your position as a white person um, because black people are talking about themselves or because women are talking about how they've been attacked by men. And I, yeah, and I think the point was made in a Jeffrey Epstein documentary that's going around Netflix, um, or maybe it was um, it was a, actually a show that was kind of based around Me Too. It was um, I think it was called The Morning Show. It had Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon in it, and the the, the whole point about that was about the Me Too movement. And there was it was looking at the intricacies of that and how it's there's grey areas and stuff. But the point that that was made in that show was that maybe the Me Too movement was an overcorrection. Maybe it went slightly too far in certain cases, but that has to be understandable in uh, in the context of of the sexual abuse, the rape, the sexual harassment, and the years and years of this and the silence around that. Um, so if there is an overcorrection um, amongst people who are over- oppressed and they they go too far, I think. Uh, the more privileged people have to understand that or should understand that. Yeah, well, you have to make a lot of noise to be listened to. So, I mean, like, it's yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe it could have been deemed as an overcorrection, but if so many people didn't come out and so many people didn't support them and come forward, then it might have fallen below the radar. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not actually saying that this particular, like the demonstrations is an overcorrection, but I just think in general that people could go a little bit too far on social media or certain demonstrations could be too far or certain statements could be could go a bit too far. Okay. But like at the same time, our role as the, the people who are not oppressed, I think, shouldn't be to, to nitpick the things that people say because we have to understand there's a lot of anger and pain coming from those states yeah and a, a, a funny uh, tweet well it wasn't funny but there was a bit of humor in it was uh, from from lance storm the wrestler on twitter and uh, he was responding to what i just read out there we 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 said black lives matter we never said only black lives matter and he said uh, remember when your mom used to tell you to eat your vegetables she didn't mean to stop eating meat and potatoes she's just pointing out the part of the meal that you were neglecting yeah. <laughs> and i thought that was a nice analogy there that's really good yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so on that note, let's move on to something slightly lighter to finish off the show. Can you give us your kernel of truth for the week, please, Toomey? Well, my kernel of truth, I feel like it's it's almost out of date with all of the, the changes going on with the coronavirus. Um, but it's just the, the old uh, school kernel, give people an inch and they'll take a mile. And I'm thinking about this in relation to the relaxation of the social distancing rules. And in particular, in Ireland, we had a rule the last few weeks that you can congregate in groups of four outdoors. And then I I noticed people over the the last few weeks meeting in groups of five. And then it went up to groups of six. And then there were suddenly groups of eight and groups of ten. And then everyone was doing it. So so everyone (laughs) sort of mutually decided that this rule was nonsense. Um, so it's almost as if people can follow the earlier rules where you don't meet anyone outside, but they can't seem to, to follow meet, meet up with like four. Maybe they, they, they just don't respect it. So if you give them the inch, maybe they, they're taking a mile there. Yeah, fair enough. I have to admit that I congregated in a group of five, which later oh. became six <laughs> the other weekend. Um, I, I don't I don't have any excuse for it, but I, I did do it. So you did do it. I did do it. You're evil. We did. I will say that we were in the Phoenix Park and we secluded ourselves from everybody um, in a very, very far off part of the grass. That's no excuse, really. Yeah, congregated in a group of six. <laughs> well, like that's the thing. If you relax rules, it's if they seem to be more flexible, then people push the bar a bit further. So it's actually harder for you to justify in your head because in that situation, it was socially, you were probably having a few drinks. Then you probably think to yourself, well, it's no harm if another one or two people come. Yeah. And that, that's completely understandable. But I suppose like the, if you give people that that flexibility, they will take more. So like I've seen like with the groups of teenagers, I'm, I'm more thinking about like sitting around in groups of 12 gangs of 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 youths, <laughs> gangs of male youths <laughs> on bikes, on bikes. Yeah. I've seen yeah. That. Shouting as they're going around on the bikes with their tops yeah. off. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they're going, but it's definitely outside of the radius. Uh, 
outside of the designated radius to make themselves feel uh, rebellious. I wonder, though, does the government include a buffer in that? Because everybody knows nobody sticks to the rules. So, like, um, for example, if you say you're going to meet somebody at 12, you might meet them at 12.15. If you tell somebody it's going to take an hour, it could take an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half. Um, I wonder, are they including, or are they expecting, not including a buffer, sorry, are they expecting people slightly to break the rules a bit? Because four is kind of quite restrictive, um, if you're trying to meet up with a group of people. So I wonder, are they kind of expecting sixes and sevens? <laughs> Whatever. Well, I don't know if they had planned that, but I think looking back on it in terms of Irish culture, I think that was bound to happen. We don't really, as a culture, follow rules strictly. So even with things like driving, we go a little bit over the speed limit. And as you said, we're a little bit late. We drink a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. So we're not good with, with specific rules. Like That's one of our things. Maybe we're more relaxed and we're more fun as a result. But if you went to Germany, I, I don't know what's going on in Germany, but they're, they're known stereotypically as a, as a country that the people follow rules very strictly and stringently. Switzerland, I, I believe, is like that too. So... Yeah, maybe it's an Irish cultural thing that that we were never going to meet in groups of four outside. It was just too specific and there was too much uh, room for messing around and fluting with that. Fluting, exactly. A good bit of fluting there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay, that kind of brings us to an end of the feckin' check-in. So that has been quite a lot of discussion for this week, a very varied topics there um, discussed. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I've been Trainer. he's been Toomey. Uh, any final words for the listener, Toomey? Feck off. Whoa! In the bag. My lyrics is crowd arousing Much love, yo, from the feckin' Checkin', hey yo, I'm old school like Tekken The podcast about funny observations Entertainment and culture and lots of racing Through your mind with the kernels of truth I'm in the booth, yo, I told you I'm the real deal Never been a spoof, this is Mac All these other MCs is so aloof If I spit my lyrics off the top, they 200 proof Come on, it's never watered down Freestyles are in skills, flats Dropping MCs, the blood spills, drills, hitting the vertebrae, uh, and I be increasing the murder rate. Hey yo, let's keep it positive. Let's deflate this negative.